Welcome to the Queer Conversation Podcast brought to you by Lotol Media, a show where we discuss all things queer. I am your host, Silke Bader, a publisher and producer in the LGBTQI space in Australia for the past 30 years. Welcome to Queer Conversation and our Lotto channel, Shamim. You are the writer and director of a film that's being shown at the Sydney Queer Screen Film Festival during Mardi Gras called Polarized. Looking just at the description of, of the trailer and, and, and the movie, it is about two women who are coming from a very different background especially from a cultural That's different right. background. It is very, very difficult, I think, to write and direct a film that actually talks about also LGBT topics, but on top of it, religion. It's hard enough um, to talk about L um, gay, gay, lesbian topics, but religion, you are bringing a, a woman from a Christian background and a woman uh, with a Muslim background together. They fall in love and so on. What inspired you to tackle such a challenging topic? Well, you know, the, the, as you said, it's not directly related to my life, but it's certainly reflective of certain themes I've had in my life. And, and more importantly, things that I see going on around us and polarized. I actually wrote the screenplay around the time that Trump was elected and Brexit happened. So it was a time when, when you could see this kind of polarization, even within families of the same cultures. People thought very differently. They were arguing. They were fighting. We're at a very similar moment, uh, I think, in history now with the ground offensive in Gaza and people being very split as to the rights and wrongs of that. And so it's, uh, I think it's easy for us as human beings that it, there are times when you need to stand up for yourself. There are times when you need to stand up for what you believe in. And so for me, polarized was beyond religion. It wasn't about Muslim Christian. It was just about the Muslim Christian was about the fact that they, these two could never meet or they lived in different parts of the world. Lisa's weekends are at church and with her family. And it's not really looked as a good thing to work to, to socialize with the Palestinian family. And for the Palestinian family, they're busy with their own cultural world. And they, they kind of look down on the poor white farmers. Let's be honest. You know, they don't look at them as people they're going to hang out with because the Palestinian family in the movie are well to do. They've created a, a, a vertical farm that does very well. So it's these things of uh, not just religion, but sometimes race, sometimes economics that, that separate us, you know. Uh, so I wanted to kind of start a story with that. Two young women meet. And in fact, one of them, gets fired for racism within the first five minutes of the movie. So it's not a promising start for a love story, but I thought I, I my, my ultimate feel is that uh, I thought it would be interesting to see if we could get them together. I can't help but have an ultimate outlook of hope because I think there's enough despair in the world. I think there's enough fighting. There's enough insanity. Um, and I really want to look at the ways that we as humans can, uh, can find a way to to be together and to see the world from each other's perspectives within a certain range. You know, you don't want to step outside and see the world from the perspective of somebody who's, who's advocating, uh, you know, something horrible, but as you know, we, we fight a lot about stuff that doesn't need to be separating us race. 
religion, all of these things. still find it very fascinating when content comes across my desk that talks about, especially in, in from a religious point of view, Muslims and the LGBT community because there's just not enough representation yes. out there. And you released this film last year. You would have had some feedback from, from viewers. Can you tell us a little bit about the feedback that you have received so far, good, bad and ugly? Yeah, um, the feedback been amazing so far. I will clarify that we've only released the film in Canada at this point where we won two awards. It was great. But the, um, actually we won one award in Canada, one in LA at a festival. But the releases in the U, in the UK, Europe and the US are coming later in 2024 and hopefully Australia as well. But the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. And I think, uh, with Dahlia, who's a, who's a Palestinian woman, it was very important for me to have that representation. I think not only Muslims, but Palestinians of all kinds, and there are Christian Palestinians as well, are very underrepresented on screen. And I think you very rarely see Palestinians in the diaspora uh, being successful on screen, uh, a young woman who's an entrepreneur, a scientist. And so the the issues keeping her apart from Lisa are not really that she can't go out or that her family, you know, have... Uh, have this big say on her personal life, but she is, you know, engaged to be married to somebody who's, she's known from childhood and she loves very much. But I think what happens with Lisa is that she opens a door to, to feeling and, and experiencing life in a different way beyond just sexuality even. And I think that really is something that once Dahlia glimpses, she can't get a, go back from. So I think that's the message that I think people are taking away from the film that it, It gives hope that life is really this this important thing that we need to grasp and live to the most of our ability, not just to kind of get through in a way that might have been subconsciously prescribed for us. So, so yeah, I think so far so good. And I've always had Muslim characters in in others of my of my movies. I can't think straight the world unseen. And again, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. And. In regards of the, the cast that you have chosen for this, uh, did you did you face any challenges there that you had to overcome? In the casting process? In, in the casting process and then one step further, challenges in, in filming and what is it that you c couldn't actually film that you sure. wanted to? With the casting, I felt very, very lucky. In a way, uh, the, this project was uh, ended up being a lower budget than we wanted, so it was very difficult. We shot it in 17 days. We shot it with one camera. It was it was tough conditions. The upside was this cast. You know, I got to really choose from across Canada, and um, you know, when it came to both Holly Devoe and Maxine Dennis, their tapes were really they they stood out for me. When they were auditioning and again in the film, they found the spaces between the dialogue. You know, they, they really were able to bring the subtext alive in every single scene because when people are talking about, you know, work at the farm that they're on, they're not talking about work at the farm. There's something else going on. So they, they were able to kind of bring all of that alive and they were, they were amazing. But casting the Palestinian family is more challenging. We really struggled to find enough actors to to choose amongst who were Arabic speaking, which was very important to me because there is a little bit of Arabic in the film. So we really struggled with our casting director to just bring in tapes, find people to 
audition for us. But, you know, we were so lucky that in the end, you know, we, we looked and looked and looked and we didn't stop until we found what we thought were really the perfect family for Dahlia and her family. And, and, and I think we got those. One of the issues that we had filming, uh, we filmed outside Winnipeg, was finding enough background performers to, to be in the wedding for Dahlia and stuff like that. So we, we had to like seek out local Palestinian groups as there were, there were Palestinians and other Arabs living in that area. But some of them did not want to be involved in a, in a movie that had an LGBTQ main theme and, and some were okay with it. So that was, that was an interesting process for us. And the actual filming itself, you, you went into, to a small town in yes. Canada. Not, not so much. Um, it, it was a beautiful town called Stonewall, but they're, they're used to filming. And I think it was, I think one of the great things about the movie was finding the small town and was finding the, um, the grain silo and Lisa's home and the, and overall the, the locations, because I think the locations gave it a lot of production value and gave it a, a real sense of place, most importantly that you were really, you really felt the, the fields, those harvesters moving through the fields. I think having a day of just being able to do drone shots like that gave it, it gave you a sense of where these people were located, the relationship to the land, why it was so important for Lisa that her family's farm got lost because that land is everything to her. So, so I think that was okay. I think filming the challenges were just that it was 17 days for, for, for a drama that was quite intense. So I really only ever gave Maxine and Holly two, three, maybe four takes. But, you know, that, that's pretty much how I shoot anyway. We were lucky that we had a few days of rehearsal beforehand where we could really talk through the character arcs because when you shoot, you shoot totally out of sequence. You may be shooting something like their big fight at that they have uh, at a point in the movie was the, almost the first thing that we shot. So, you know, for them to pitch that to exactly where it should be, you know, it meant that we all had to work together very closely to, to get those moments correct so that they would fit by the time we filmed the rest of the movie. Talking about you, you've been a filmmaker in the LGBT space for quite a few years, haven't you? When, when the, it would be interesting to find out how did you, how have you seen the, changes of the of the industry within the LGBT space in filmmaking? I think the, the world has moved faster than the industry, certain parts of the world. You know, I think for me, when, when Hanan and I, my wife and I, who's also the producer of this film and all of my films, she, when she and I were first together 28 years ago, the world was very different. She's Christian, Palestinian. I'm Muslim of Indian, South African background. So there was nothing that was uh, thrilling about our union to our families, you know, because it was very hard for them to deal with. But you're going back to a time 30 years ago when there was almost no representation of LGBT characters on TV or anywhere. You know, there was kind of this otherness that nobody could, could overcome. So it was very important for us to tell these stories on film because representation was low, but because also it humanizes. I think humanization is is a very important thing. You know, go to war or, or occupy people. There, there's a dehumanization process that makes it easier to crush the other people. And I think that's what happened with the LGBTQ community. If you don't have representation, you disappear and people can demonize you. 
So I think what's happened in the film and television industry with a lot more representation is so, so positive. So we feel very good about that. At the same time, yeah, there are issues. I think with, with especially with stories with two women, we're finding we have a whole slate of, of series, a slate of films now that we're, that we're working on. But often the case is that people will feel that they're not as financeable because there are two women leads rather than a woman and a man or two men. Hearing it a lot more politely than we were back in the day when people would be like, can you de-gay that character or can you make one of them white or can you make one of them a man? But now, you know, the sense is that, that women still don't have that box office and they don't assume that women have the eyeballs on TV, which I think is wrong. These days, you know, every film now, every TV show has got some kind of LGBTQI plus representation in there, which is just a massive yeah. change. Have you exclusively just done LGBT films? Yes. Or? Uh, I mean, mostly everything I have has always had some kind of queer representation. It's been very important to me. I think the one that was probably the most, the other one, the one that was maybe a slight exception is Despite the Falling Snow, which had a central love story between Rebecca Ferguson's character and, uh, Sam Reed and uh, but the and the secondary story was a uh, was a, a lesbian love story, but generally yes, I think it's it's um, because yes, it is everywhere you look, but at the same time, the majority of lead characters, lead characters in series are still not LGBT, and it's you wonder if something as magnificent as, for example, one day, then you, sh then you share from Netflix, would it be made if there were two women in the, at the center of that love story? It's, it's swings and roundabouts. I don't want to uh, deny the, the progress that's been made because I think it's fantastic. And certainly for our sons who are 25 and 21, they, they live in a, in a universe and a, a reality where somebody's sexuality or who they choose to be with is, it's strange for them to even have to define that. Which is, which is wonderful. Where do you think we will be in 20 years? You know, I'd love to see even more um, relaxing of, of def definitions like that. I'd love to see a world where people flick on the TV and watch a story because it's just really well written or it's been greatly reviewed, whether, whether or not the leads are of a, um, the same sex as them. So I'd love even more of that to, to happen. But I think the biggest bursts have, have already happened and it's been amazing really, because there was a taboo that needed to be overcome. And I think now that we're past that in many regions, that'll be great. But I'd love to see that spread to more areas of the world too. Right now we have a range of projects. Um, I um, We are working on a, a romantic comedy that is called Arranged and that it is about two young Indian women who are pushed together by their moms and a matchmaker to to see if they will uh, if they will like each other enough to get married they do not they are complete polar opposites one is a party girl and one is a very sort of homebody but they uh, they agree to pretend to date just to keep their families happy so it's kind of a but of course they end up falling in love so it's a, it's kind of a wonderful rom-com like a crazy rich asians or a big fat greek wedding but set uh, amongst the indian community so that's one of the the movies that we're working on right now And other than that, we've got a slate of, of television project, projects, which we're, we're going with. Again, a big range of genres, action, adventure, thriller. One is a big little lies kind of set in Wimbledon. So it's kind of um, fun. They all have some queer characters in them, but, but it's, a, it's a big range.
just like one last question, as you just said this, what do you think are the the main things that people can support filmmakers like yourself? Is it basically to download the, the films or buy tickets or can they get involved in any other way to support? Both of those. Honestly, I think it's, it's I'm glad you asked uh, because we're having a lot of trouble with Polarized and our other films being illegally uploaded to YouTube and other places and being watched. And people have literally gone into cinemas and taken a video of it. And then, you know, they talk on lesbian forums and, and whatever I've been told by fans of ours who are trying to kind of help shut it down. So yeah, just pay, if you can pay the five or $10 or $20 or whatever it is for a ticket to stream it legally from a legal provider from our website, Enlightenment Productions has all of the films for streaming and for download if you want to keep them. And it's a way that, that you can support filmmakers directly because if people say to us, when's your next film? And the problem with financing films is that if people don't see that you've had a financial, it's a business, you know, understandably, if they don't see that you've had a financial success with that previous film, it, it always gets a little harder. So you can support filmmakers and novelists um, by buying the books rather than downloading them illegally as well. So I would just make a plea, um, think about spending your coffee budget that instead of uh, illegal downloads, it will help everybody a lot more and to get the content that everybody wants. Which I mean, thank you so much for joining us today and um, to share your thoughts on uh, Polarized. Wonderful. I think it's online as well. I hope everybody in Australia or whoever wants to see it, not everybody in Australia, you never know, can go and see it. And, uh, and we'll also, we have on my Instagram and on the Polarized Instagram page, We'll always keep updates of whatever, uh, when the actual releases in Australia said so that everybody can, can get a watch. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, or Facebook using the tag at Media, or head over to our website lotl.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.